Welcome to the B2B Marketing and Copywriting Podcast. I'm your host, Linda Malone, certified conversion copywriter, copy strategist, and founder of Copyworks. Join me each week as I speak with experts in the fields of marketing, copywriting, decision-making, psychology, and more, all with one goal, to help you attract your ideal customers and inspire them to take action. My guest today is Laura Nguyen. Laura is the founder of Soul Solutions, spelled S-O-L-L-E. And Soul Solutions is a marketing consulting practice focused on performance and digital marketing. So she has 20 years of experience leading high-performing teams. She helps businesses maximize lead generation primarily. In addition to marketing consulting, Laura is an executive coach. I almost said an excellent coach, which I'm sure is also true, helping mid-career professionals overcome burnout and design fulfilling lives. So today she is going to talk about what happened to her personally when she burned out at her corporate job, what she did about it, and her unique approach that she now shares with others to help them overcome the same situation. So let's dive right in. Laura, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited to talk to you. This is going to be a fun conversation. Oh, um, thank you, Linda, for having me. So wonderful to be here. I'm glad that Tass Bober, I always, God forbid I say Taz because she will come after me. I don't know why there's just this thing about putting a Z on that word, but, um, but I'm so happy she introduced us. So, so yeah, before we get into our main topic, I always ask people, what is something fun that, you know, about them that people don't know? And you said that you have become a big Disney fan. Now, I used to live near Disneyland. I, I, I don't have kids, so I really didn't go. But tell me about that. Is that, you said it's a new thing? <laughs> it's a new thing, yes. Yeah. So I, you know, as a kid growing up, like we didn't really, we didn't have like massive vacations or like when we did, we, when we actually went to Orlando, I was too cool for Disney World. So I was like, I'm going to Universal. Um, but my daughter's four and in the past few years, we've had the opportunity to go and it's been such a blast in experiencing like all this magic and wonder from the eyes of a four-year-old that we've just we've just fallen in love with it. And so we we try to go as often as we can. Uh, and we'll just, you know, we live in Des Moines, Iowa, so it's not like we're close. Right. Um, but the but the flights are cheap and we can head down there periodically. Oh, that sounds like fun. What's your favorite thing? What is your daughter like? Does she go on rides? Because when I was a kid, I was afraid of all of them. So she is a huge Toy Story fan. And so uh, we will hit up Space Ranger at Magic Kingdom because it's like, you know, you get to like shoot the aliens, right? Like all the bad guys. And so she loves that one. And then also at Hollywood Studios, they have another like Toy Story Mania where you get to like, you know, shoot little darts and stuff. And she loves that. So I think when we go, that's like a must. Like we have to hit those two rides for sure. She chooses violence is what you're telling me. <laughs> 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 yes, yes. She's aliens. She's she's in. And hey, she's getting ready. She's a for hero. <laughs> <laughs> so, in speaking of fun, so one of the things that happens to segue into our main topic, which is like burnout. I have so many questions about this. I'm not even sure where to start. But let's start with your story because you told me before we started this interview. You told me the last time we spoke that you were working at one point seventy five hours a week. Is that true? Yes. How do you even work? Is that like 16 hour days? Um, yeah, it was. And I was working weekends and I was traveling during the time as well. Yeah. So I am a chronic overachiever. I like I, I've, 
you know, I, I was raised in a family of making sure that, you know, if you were, if you got a B, then that was a problem. Uh, and so I'd always shift into a mentality of overwork. Uh, and so my first gig actually right out of college, which I love. Um, and, you know, I think it gave me a ton of great experiences, but because it was in the agency world, I had the opportunity to do so many things mm -hmm. and I just wanted to do all of it. And so, you know, I would spend my days doing client work and in the evenings I would be doing work that would be more developmental work. So that was when I was really interested in doing digital. So my evenings were spent doing digital clients and then my daytime uh, was spent doing corporate clients or pharma clients. And what ended up happening was, is that like, you know, we ended up having to pull back and say, hey, my my bill rate is just way too high and we need to pull back because it wasn't sustainable. Um, and honestly, Linda, what, which, what we didn't talk about was my body actually told me that I needed to hit a pause button. And I was 24 when I had my first colonoscopy because they had to, we had to figure out what was going on. And, you know, I think stress manifests in your gut um, and in your body in ways that, you know, when you see a red flag, uh, it's, it's so often overlooked. Yeah. And I hear that a lot from people because there's some saying, I forget how it goes, but like, if you, you know, if you ignore the stress in your life, your body's going to like tap you on the shoulder and go, hello, you know, and it's over and over. I hear that. So was, was there a turning point or a specific moment in time where you were like, okay, I've got to stop. Like what happened? That yeah. Made you yeah. Change? So that, you know, that was my first gig out of school. And, you know, it was not until about 18 years later that I learned my lesson, to be totally honest with you. You know, I think there was a yellow flag, probably a red flag during that first gig. And then it where I just continued to kind of stuff it down and ignore it for the sake of continuing to perform. And uh, I like I, I'm very driven. And so I continue to keep going. You know, I think with COVID having a child during that time period shifted my priorities. But I think the biggest shift for me happened um, when I lost a coworker. And so, you know, I think I had someone working uh, for me for about a year and a half. And I think early, early in the process, you know, we, she had found out that she was diagnosed with colorectal cancer. Uh, and so we worked together, tried to figure out schedules and what that would look like. And she has two little kids that are, that are my daughter's age. And so losing her was a completely life shattering kind of reawakening for me because it made me go, all right, mortality is real and I need to take a look at where my priorities are. And she was young, right? Yes, yes. That's not something you hear about. Like that's that's the kind of thing that really, like you said, it makes you think twice, like, or or more. Just what are what are we doing? You hear about that with um, people on Wall Street. I used to work as a personal trainer. And I had some Wall Street clients, and they were so high strung. And you know, this one person I'm thinking about in particular, he was just always stressed out. I used to work out with him at nine o'clock at night because that was when he got home, and I was just starting my my business as a trainer. So I would work whatever was required of me. And he, um, I don't know, you know, whatever happened to him, but I just, I heard that people, you know, his coworkers were having heart attacks in their thirties. You just can't, you know, you just can't keep that, keep that up. And so when that happened, so did you immediately, like, was it a gradual transition to like, okay, now I need to make some changes? Or did you just say, I'm out of here and you just kind of quit everything? 
It was gradual, to be honest. And similar, you know, I it takes me a while to get to to a point of uh, realization. But after, after I had found out the news of Amanda, one of the things that, you know, I kept trying to think about was like, how, how do I, you know, keep my team performing? How do I continue to keep everything together? And what does that look like? But like my evenings were really, really tough. Like I would just hold my daughter for those first few weeks and just cry. Yeah. And I think it got to the point where we had a family vacation over Thanksgiving. And um, it was the first time I hadn't brought my laptop with me in my entire career. Um, and I put my cell phone, I turned it off and I put my cell phone in, in our luggage. Uh, and that for me was a shift. And I think that was kind of the, okay, like I'm ready. I'm ready to do something different and I need to be present. Um, and it's really important for me to be present right now. And did you have like a coach at that point? Cause I know now we'll get into your coaching, but did you yourself have a coach at that time? I or did, yes, <clears throat> yes. So throughout the course of my career, I've had several coaches, both life coaches as well as executive coaches. Um, and I've been really fortunate to have phenomenal mentors as well. Uh, and so, you know, I think during that time period, it was the co our coaching engagement actually had really nothing to do with the life part of it, right? It was very much on how can I make sure organizationally we're in a good spot and really just helping me grow as a better leader. And so I think in that process, you know, one of the things that I was trying to understand and think about for myself is, like, what is my purpose? Why am I here? And what are the things that I actually want to work on? Because I can continue to live this performance-based life, right? Where I'm continuing to hit metrics and continuing to kind of strive for the next um, rung on the ladder. But I want to focus more on a purpose-based life. And mm -hmm. how do I even do that? Yeah. Do you think this is something that is kind of in families or even culturally? I mean, was your family, is your your parents, were they really driven and high Yeah, so, um, no, that's a, that's a great question. So I come from immigrants. Um, my, my parents were Vietnamese refugees um, who came over here during the war. And there was always a message of, you know, like this is a better life. We created a better life and we wanna make sure that you're continuing to perform and excel. And so there were high expectations for us uh, of what we were going to do and what success looked like. And I will say that my parents always said, like, we want you, all we want is for you to be happy. Um, but I think the definition of happiness, right, is such it's not one that we dig into so often. And so mm -hmm. often we actually continue to pursue the things that um, give us the accolades or that pat on the back and living a life that, you know, is worth living in a lot of ways are, are not measurable by, you know, how much you have in your bank account or what title you have. It's interesting because on a lighter note, have you ever seen there's a guy on TikTok who is he plays the role of him and his father and he's I think he's Chinese. And so the father is constantly yelling at him and comparing him to his cousin, his cousin, who's so much more successful. And he says, your cousin, Timmy, he, you know, and he, he does the accent and everything, and he doesn't actually have an accent, but um, he just is always, it, it's hilarious. But at the same time, you know that there's some truth to that. I mean, my mother's Japanese, but she was, you know, I mean, she passed away and, but she never had that kind of, she was just a hard worker in other ways. Like she didn't have the corporate thing or she didn't go to school past like high school. Um, but my dad was Italian and even his family, you know, are kind of, they're all entrepreneurs. And it's almost like there's something 
inherent my brother's not like me though so i just was wondering like you know is it something that we're taught is it something that's like within us it's sort of an interesting thing you know but i think yeah. culture i think plays plays some role yeah, yeah i think you're right and i think you know it's like the nurture versus nature kind of a thing right but i also think like even when we think about nature it's so much of this like ingrained genetic history that we carry with us <laughs> um and and my my parents are really interesting like my dad's family is a fisherman's family and my mom's family um was uh, more of a military and uh government family and so my parents you know came from very different places in the system and and i think that was always an interesting piece growing up as well of you know having a lot of wherewithal on one side and then having a lot of scarcity on the other yeah, yeah, it's, it's so uh, just interesting to me how people grow up in different environments and how they turn out and stuff. So how did you address your burnout? So you, were you working with coaches at the time where you said, I'm going to make the switch, you turned off your phone, and you had this realization. So what happened? After yep, that? yep. So, so for me, I, I need to be prepared. And it's probably a little bit of right my family's history of escaping Vietnam. Like we talk about filling these barrels and in preparation for them to escape Vietnam um, when communist rule took over. And so, you know, I think in our minds, it was always very much about like for, for my brother and I, how are you prepared? Always being 10 steps ahead. What are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Uh, and so when I decided to make this move, I wanted to make sure that it was one that I was prepared for. What was I going to do during this time? And so I knew I could leave and probably find another role, right? Like I could, that was definitely an option, but something just didn't feel right. I was so burnt out and so exhausted that I needed a break, Linda. Like I just needed to take a step back and take some time off and figure out how do I recharge and what's going to make me happy and what's the kind of work I want to do. And so I met with a ton of people. I met with all my mentors. We did day, you know, day long brainstorming sessions of how I was going to spend the next phase of my career. Uh, my friend Sean took out time during his day to do that. And I greatly appreciate him for it. And so I read all the books. I read every book I could. I read, you know, I, I read every article I could online of like, how do you plan a career break? What do you do? But really the question I was trying to answer was like, how do I change my brain? Like, how do I get my mojo back? How do I feel good again? And that's where I focus my energy. And so I built a curriculum for myself, to be honest, because I said, I'm going to take three months off and I need a plan. And so I said, all right, I'm going to spend a month in play. And that's all about being in a flow state, having fun, being in the moment. Then I did a month of pause which is very much about how do I kind of recenter, practice mindfulness, really just work on being present with myself and understanding, listening to that inner voice of, you know, what do I want to be and what do I want to do? And then I felt like, okay, the next thing logically would be, let's spend a month of plan and figure out how I'm going to, you know, spend the next second half of my career or whatever it might be. And so I set off on this journey to try to figure out what I was going to do. So that's that's kind of the structure that I used. I just pictured you on this raft, like just going out <laughs> into this new lifetime, this new life. Uh, yes. How hard was the play part? Because I know because I'm so much like you in a lot of ways. That's why I'm asking these questions, because it's like, am I like not the only one then that feels like this? But like to to just not work. Did you, when you said play, I, I love the alliteration, by the way. So it's play, pause, 
what was it? Play, pause, play, and- pause, and plan. Uh-huh. Okay. So the play part, did you really not do any work? Or did you cheat and kind of? <laughs> <laughs> so it was, it was really, really hard. And I will say that I was looking for distractions, right? Like I needed something that would take me out of my physical environment so I wouldn't be tempted to go do something um and so, to be totally so to be totally candid yes and so and here's the other thing is i think psychologically in my brain um play was a reward play and rest were rewards to me like i had to earn them to be able to do it so i think in my brain in some way shape or form i was like oh i earned play like i did a really good job pat on the shoulder now i get to go play um and so we open this with you know our newfound love for Disney. Uh, And that's what I kicked off with, to be totally honest. I was like, I need a 4D immersive experience where I can't really be on my phone checking LinkedIn and figuring out what my next venture is going to be. And instead, I'm going to spend it with Mickey and staring at fireworks on the castle, over the castle. Like, that's what we were going to do. So I took, you know, my family and my parents, uh, we went to Disney and we had a blast. And then my daughter and I, since we were already in Orlando, we were like, let's just like go to Port Canaveral and like hop on a ship and go on a cruise for a week and do some island hopping. Um, So we did that and it was wonderful. But I will say that during that time, I recognized things about myself, like my people pleasing really turned on high. Um, And I was like, wait, these were the things I was probably for sure doing at work. And this is how it's starting to manifest, even with strangers, you know. You give an example, like how would that? Yeah, for sure, for sure. So my daughter, I had never been on a cruise before. And, uh, And so my daughter and I were on this cruise And they have like set dinner times where it's like, okay, you have a rotational dinner at 5.30 and you need to make sure you're there at 5.30 because guess what? The next group of people come in at 7.30 or 8. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so my daughter and I would be like playing and we'd go, you know, we'd be watching a movie on the deck and I would just be like, okay, let's get dressed. Let's go. We got to make it to dinner. And I would be forcing her to get to dinner. And she was so frustrated. And then we would be basically, I was like negotiating with her on how to get to dinner on time. Like, I'll take you to the store and you can buy something at the store or um, whatever it might be. And so one night I decided we're not gonna go to dinner. Let's just like, let's just hang out here. We'll just grab food later. I'm not gonna worry about it. So the next morning when we showed up for breakfast, our wait staff said, oh, I missed you last night. We were waiting for you at dinner. And the guilt just like, just, like hung on me. And I was like, well, so that night I was like, Alice, like we gotta make sure we get to dinner on time. Remember our friends said we need that they were waiting for us. And as the words were coming out of my mouth, I was like, I'm forcing something that like is not fun for us. Yeah. Because I was gonna let a stranger down that by the way, won't remember us the day we walk off, you know, that ship. Right. And I was reflecting on that. And I think that for me was like, oh man, I need to figure out what I'm going to do because like, this is a major issue if this is manifesting with strangers that I'll never see again. That's such great self-awareness because it's almost like social media where you know we worry about how many followers we have, how many likes we have, and, and we don't know most of the people who are following us. And why are we worried about this? And it's, it's, that's the kind of thing that carries over to different, all different things, you know? So but most people wouldn't catch it. 
So that's so that's great on on you. So and then what happened? So what was the pause part of that? So the play you did a lot of Disney, and then what was the pause? Yep, yep. And and there's things that you can do and play at home. Like I we were doing puzzles. Like I was building Lego sets and like you know doing Sudoku things. Like things that would be just things you can do around the house, right? Mm-hmm. Like going to an art museum. Like those were things that I planned when we got back. But to your point around pause. I, I needed to kick off pause with something that would be really, again, immersive. Like these were, I was trying to find immersive, somewhat distracting things, to be honest, Linda, right? Because if I was just at home, it would be really hard. So I went on a meditation retreat for a week. Oh, cool. uh, and before this, just so you know, I couldn't meditate for like three minutes. Like three minutes was probably my max. And and during this time, like I was meditating for like three or four hours a day. Wow. And at the end of that week, like, I could just physically feel the difference. Like I could see clearer, my brain felt, my whole body felt lighter, everything shifted internally for me. Uh, And so I said, well, whatever this feeling is, like I gotta keep it going. Uh, And so, you know, pause then became, how do I continue this meditation practice on a daily, if not two or three times a day perspective uh, to keep it going? How do I continue to be reflective? So I started Morning Pages, which is a part of Julia Cameron's Artist's oh, yeah. Way. I have um, love her stuff, yes. No. So I did that practice. And then I did like a lot of, honestly, time of kind of sitting and trying to figure out, you know, like letting letting all the thoughts flow through me versus feeling like I needed to do something about them. Mm-hmm. So that was the main for so four weeks. So what do you do now with meditation? Do you still do it every day? I do. Yeah, I actually just did it right before we jumped on because I was like, I just think like we need to recenter myself before you and I chat. Um, <laughs> yes, I do. So I, I have a couple of apps. Like I use a 10% Happier app. Um, I use the Peloton app, which has a meditation piece. And then I'll just listen to like music on Spotify in the background. I've, I recognize for myself that I need something t- that is background noise. I can basically kind of tune out mm-hmm. um, versus just pure silence. Because I use Brain FM. Did you ever hear of that app? Oh, yeah. Brain. I like it. It has, um, I listen to it. There's like four different channels, I guess you call within the app. And one is meditation. You can do guided or unguided. And the unguided, you can determine, you know, what kind of sound you want. I usually pick forest sounds. I live in Arizona, so that's really weird. But forest sounds or um, rain, because we don't get rain here. And I love the sound of rain. I don't like mm-hmm. rain, like if it rains for days on it, but for, it really relaxes me. And then, um, yeah, they have other parts of it where um, it's, uh, what do they call it? Binaural beats, where mm-hmm. it, it helps you to focus because I have a hard time focusing. And so throughout the day, I'm, I always have those plugged in because it's the only way I can focus on anything. And But yeah, it's you just reminded me I need to do more with my meditation. Because if I do eight minutes, it's long for me. It's like, yeah. just, you know, it's hard. <laughs> it's, it's it still. is. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. love this Brain FM one. I've, I've heard of it and I've seen, but I haven't actually like put it into practice. So I'll definitely check that out, Linda. Thanks for the recommendation. It is. I've been using it for a couple of years and I find that it really seems to help. Because when I don't have like this morning, my battery on my earbuds for some reason just crapped out of me. So I couldn't listen to it. I just tried to listen to silence. And I can do that for a little bit, but um, it's much easier when I have that. So, But then mm-hmm. tell me about, so the final part of this is the pursue. Is that, no. Oh, plan. Plan. Okay. I have my notes mm-hmm. in front of me and I have the word pursue on there. So <laughs> so plan. So what happens during that phase? Yeah. So plan is 
right? The concept of figuring out what you're going to do next. Like, how do you how do you want to live an integrated life? What does that look like for you? Um, so I started working on like, what are like, what are my core values as a person? Intentionally, where do I want to do? Um, and how do I want to live? Like, what's the person, right? Who's the person I want to be? That was really the question that I was asking myself at the time. Now, naturally, from there, career comes out, right? Because it becomes a what do you want to do with your time? Uh, and so I had a really hard time of I felt like there were obvious answers for what I should do. Um, but not clear answers on what I wanted to do. And so I, you know, naturally my, you know, old habits die hard. And so I took an Excel sheet and I started to create like a weighted matrix on here's all of my ideas of what I want to do. And here's how I'm going to score them. I'm going to score them based on how they align with my core values. If I have the competency to do it, if it's going to, you know, cost money to do what the on-ramp is to generate revenue, like all of these things, right? So I built this matrix and then I scored it using a weighted score. And you know, the natural things, some of the natural things floated up, which was like, I want to continue doing marketing work. I love marketing, but I needed something else as well. And so, you know, at the time I had decided that I would do coaching because I love leading teams. You know, I've spent the last 18 years leading teams. I love leading high performing teams and I love being a part of people's journey. And I think being a manager is you know, one of your greatest responsibilities. And so I wanted to continue doing that. And so I said, okay, I'm going to do coaching and I'm going to coach maybe like 20% of the time, but most of my time is going to be on marketing consulting. And so, and a few other ideas came out. Uh, one of those was write a book. And I do, in fact, have a book coming out next September, uh, which I'm excited for. And then, you know, there were other ideas and they're like, buy a farm or just live on a cruise ship for the rest of my life or <laughs> whatever it might be, right? Like it can be, these are like off the wall ideas. things. <laughs> Or you can live on a farm on a cruise ship. There you yeah. can start your own. <laughs> Create there you your go. own. <laughs> yes, I had, there were some kind of off the wall ideas for sure. But I was like, you know, we, we've got kids and I probably need to be somewhat responsible. <laughs> <laughs> There's the monkey wrench and all of that. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so this is something now that you actually coach people to do. This is your, because you have a coaching plan, right? That yes. Yeah. So, you know, one of the things that I was going through the journey is the recognition that others were on the same path or preparing for the same path that I was. And so, you know, as I was talking about a career break, I had talked to, you know, other senior leaders, CEOs, other execs who had also taken a career break. And one of the things they had said to me was, I wish I had kind of more of a plan. And I was like, well, I did create a plan. Maybe I should share it with people so that they could fully reset and get something out of it. Uh, and so I took all of my templates and everything I've learned, and uh, I've been spending the time coaching folks through their own career breaks in preparation for their career break. What are the things I honestly wish I had known or thought of in advance? And I use, you know, I spent probably three months interviewing people to just better understand their their own, you know, career break journey. What are the things they want to do that then informs my curriculum? And so, you know, I work with folks now that are either in a career break or re-emerging and looking for a successful pivot and transition after their career break. And 
Uh, I'll say, you know, I, I said earlier that I was planning on doing marketing consulting as like an 80% and uh, coaching as a 20%. Uh, and, you know, I'll, I'll share that, like, that's kind of shifted, honestly, as, as things naturally have been, because the work on helping folks and coaching folks in an executive coaching format, as well as a career break uh, coaching format has been so much more fulfilling in a, in a different yeah. way. And do you think it also has to do with just the way the the state of the world, well, state of businesses right now? I mean, so many people you go on LinkedIn, every other post is, you know, I am leaving, you know, my, my, and a lot of these jobs or uh, positions that these people had were uh, one or two years. And because they announced it, and I remember when they announced it, it's like, well, I'm leaving and, or I was laid off or, you know, I'm looking for something else. Do you think that that feeds into, you know, people looking for this kind of a solution? Yeah, I think. I think burnout is has has been a you know it's it's both a systemic issue um, within organizations as well as a personal challenge, right? I would say there are there are things like I was talking about before um, for my my own self of trying to self regulate, right, and and set healthier boundaries. But I think the other challenge becomes how do organizations promote true mental health and well-being. And so I think it's a conversation that's happening within some organizations more than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's that's kind of the catalyst, right, for a lot of folks raising their hands and reaching out to me and saying, hey, can you help me through this journey? How do I think about this? And so, you know, my my goal is always to, to help guide someone through a journey that's their own personal journey. They don't need to follow my path, but I have ideas if they need it. And so, you know, that's that's what I'm there for. Do you think employers are more like, I wonder how much is lip service? Cause it's almost like, I don't, I, I just, when I hear about, you know, oh, mental health, I mean, I know it's so important. I've battled, battled my own mental health challenges, anxiety and stuff throughout my life. But do you think employers really are good at recognizing when someone is burned out? And if they do, I just see a lot of employers just pushing people to the edge and, and not really understanding what they're doing. I mean, do you think there really is a, a growing awareness or what should be done maybe is more of the yeah, question? Yeah, I think that's a great question. I think, you know, ultimately one of the greatest challenges when it comes to burnout, I think there was a study that came out from Gallup that said 70% of the people who stated they were burnt out, really the core reason for that was a, a manager. And so I think when you think about management, one of the challenges is that think about what's the percentage of managers who are actually trained in being a skilled manager. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't spend a lot of organization, we don't spend a lot of time investing in uh, training, truly training our managers. We tend to promote um, those who are strong performers uh, and strong performance doesn't really equate to a strong manager, a strong people manager. And so I think at each level within an organization, that's one of the challenges is, you know, they're equating it to poor management, poor leadership. And it's not when we say employer, typically that becomes a large we, right? Mm -hmm. But how do we help train within there the individuals that can help drive a difference? And so investing in leadership training, like having executive coaches for people, right, to Mm -hmm. help them be better leaders and better managers is is one of the core benefits of having that. And so I think 
I think organizationally, there's a recognition. You know, I think there was a study that said like 85% of HR leaders recognize that burnout is an issue. But here's the issue is that like, how can they then take it and turn it into tangible actions that actually influence employees and employees' lives? Um, And I think that comes down to kind of a more granular perspective on how do you help managers be stronger leaders? Yeah, that's a huge question right there. Well, last thing is, so what if somebody just as on the individual uh, perspective, if someone feels really burned out, what is like one thing that they can do or start doing to kind of help themselves? Or what would you say? Yeah, I think, you know, the reason why I started with play, there's kind of like two pieces, which is the first thing is engage in something that brings you joy. I think when we're in burnout, it feels it can feel hopeless and it can feel exhausting. Mm-hmm. Um, and a way to recharge your systems is to find something that's going to bring you some joy. And that could just be right going to a park. It could be playing volleyball. It could be taking your kids out and doing something with your kids. If you've got kids, it's about finding something that sparks your joy. I think that's really the key. The second is around rest. You know, I think we often forget the importance of sleep. Um, you came from the world of fitness, so I, you you know recovery is so critical and important. Yeah. Um, and so I think you know people take for granted having a restful night of sleep is really the other piece. Is like you know we we probably spent like, I, I can't tell you the number of times I spent just like going through all of my to do lists you know for six hours at night right and you're getting three hours of sleep that is not the foundation that you need mm-hmm. and so sleep is the foundation of mental health and you got to start there too and there's so many health issues that are associated with a uh, lack of sleep I usually get seven seven and a half hours and that seems to be good for me but yeah if I get less than that I just feel it so. <laughs> Yeah, so you know where the difference, yeah. Where can people find you? Now, your book isn't out until next September, so it's going to be a little while for that. Do you have a pre-sale or anything yet? Or Yes, yep. So I do have um, just a, a link to go to. So if you go to lauranuen.co, you can find my website there. Uh, I have included in there as well, just like high-level overview for the book. I am excited. I'm launching a community the week of November 13th. So that's next week. And so one of the key pieces for me was in having all these conversations with people, right? I recognized that we felt really alone in our issues of burnout. And so I hope that this community will be a place where people can share their stories uh, and and find connection in in this you know, in this sense. Awesome. Well, I'll put all that in the show notes. And also people can find you on LinkedIn, of course. Yes. Right? So. Yes. You can find me on LinkedIn. I post every day at 730. <laughs> oh, great. You're better than me at the time. <laughs> Just try to get in there at some point during the day. Well, I try to schedule so it. <laughs> <laughs> thanks so much, Laura. This has been so eye-opening and just great advice. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Linda, so much. Appreciate it. Take care. And that is a wrap of today's episode. I hope you found some actionable advice that you can use to help you improve your copy conversions. And for even more copywriting exclusive tips, be sure to click the link in the show notes to sign up for my weekly newsletter so you don't miss a beat. And as always, if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to leave a review. It really helps me out. Talk again soon.